Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding after abuse. Today, I am excited to introduce you to Deborah Doak. She is a separation, divorce, life renovation coach, and we are going to be discussing all things finance related. So welcome to Held and Healed, Deborah. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you, Heather. What a treat. I thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We have quite a community of women who are already learning and gleaning from you, and I'm excited to have this episode as another resource for them. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about you and why you do what you do. What we find is that most of the times people have a story, and that's kind of what leads us to our passions and our work. So just share a little bit of your story. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. You know, like many divorce professionals, I had a personal experience and I um, actually was lucky enough to have two. So I've been divorced twice. Um, first of all, from the father of my children, that was an amazing divorce. We coped as we shared a moving truck when we got divorced. We wow. went on college, <laughs> college visits um, together. We lived a block and a half apart, had keys to each other's houses. It's been a dream. Wow. Um, I've not, I've not heard that too often. <laughs> it's, it's been amazing. We still probably talk on the phone once a week, even though our children are adults because they're still children, even though they're adults. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but when I got remarried, not so much, that was a very difficult marriage. I don't share the details publicly, Sure. sure. but, um, I will just tell you that it was all the issues <laughs> your listeners and your community deals with. Yeah, it was a high conflict divorce. It was very difficult. I was financially dependent, um, all those things. So as I was going through that divorce, I was in trauma therapy. I was working with a certified divorce financial analyst, an attorney, and I was trying to figure out what did I want to do for work? I was going to have to earn a living. Mm -hmm. And what did I want to do? And I was listening to the feedback that I was getting from people. My therapist was saying, you should be a therapist. My CDFA was saying, you should use your finance background <laughs> and help people with finances. My attorney said, you are the most organized client I have literally ever had because mm -hmm. I showed up with spreadsheets. Mm. I had a date planner. I had my notebook organized with tabs. And then I learned about divorce coaching. Wow. So, yeah. So I did that first. And then I went on and got my certified divorce financial analyst designation. And then I realized the damage sometimes this process does to families. Yeah. So I went on and got trained as a family court mediator. I did the domestic violence portion of that training. Um, and now I spend a lot of my time actually mentoring and training new divorce coaches so that we can really help families to the extent possible minimize that impact emotionally and financially. You are duplicating your expertise <laughs> because the need is great. And you know that you alone cannot do this. By exactly. Yes. And yes. because I didn't have the right information or the right support, my divorce was difficult. But honestly, because I was acting out of fear and emotion, mm -hmm. I made it more difficult and more expensive than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. And now you, okay, so you have, go ahead, even at the start, and we'll come back to this at the end, go ahead and tell the ladies like what you offer. You have a book, you have coaching. So just give us kind of a, a summary of your offerings. Right. So I have a book. 
that's been out for a few years now called High Conflict Divorce for Women. And it's really just, it's kind of a primer for before, during, and after divorce because conflict goes really throughout the process. We all know about as well post-separation abuse. So right. it's before divorce, how to kind of get started. And there's, there's chapters for you and for the children. Mm, so needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then during divorce, what do you need to know during divorce? What do you need to be thinking about? And then how do you manage that relationship post-divorce? Wow. So yeah, that's a resource. And then I offer uh, right now one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'm hoping to come out with a course here soon, an online course that people can take um, that will help them prepare for divorce so that they're not so afraid so that they're not so reactive like I was. Yes. Because Deborah and I are here to say that there is life on the other side and both of us have rebuilt in different ways, but we both had obstacles. We both had challenges. We both probably sat there and thought, I can't do this. Mm. And probably both have had that frozen, you know, just that state of, I don't even know where to begin. So we're here to just help you today to start thinking if you can do one thing today, if you can do two things this month, if you can do three things this year and just get you closer to mm -hmm. safety and sanity, because those are our goals for you. <laughs> those are our goals. <laughs> yes. and, and one of the things that made my process so hard was I, there was a period of time where I wasn't ready to leave, sure, but I was pretty sure, I was pretty certain actually that my marriage wasn't going to make it, but I wasn't doing any planning. Mm. So I, I tell my clients and my followers that I want you to prepare for the night you take dinner out of the oven. And the story goes like this. After a couple of days of the silent treatment, my husband had walked past me twice, three mm -hmm. times. And I said, are you still not talking to me? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, not until you apologize. Wow. And I said, apologize for what? Mm -hmm. And he said, the tone of voice you used the other night. Mm -hmm. I said, the tone of voice I used, you mean when I brought up the idea that you lied again, and this time you lied in front of our therapist? that I was angry about that? He said, yeah, I didn't like your tone. Mm. I said, okay. I turned off the oven. I turned out, took out the casserole. I packed a backpack and I left. Mm. But I hadn't done any prep work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody has a crystalline moment when right. this happens. Right. They're, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. And then a very small thing happens. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't like your tone. Mm -hmm. For me, that was it. He had done many, many worse things. Yeah. But, yes. Yes. I, right? I, I relate. I relate. I had that moment myself. And it's like the 20 some years prior, I didn't walk. But that day I was, I was chronically ill with a disease that I didn't know if I was going to live or die. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't know if I was going to live or die. And this one stands over me and says, you're lazy. It's all in your head. And that's where it clicked for me. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, 20 some years of absolute hell. And that's what it took for the light to go on and say, this person is never going to change. I, it's not that I can't do this anymore. It's that I won't do this anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But we yeah. don't know when that moment's going right. to come. Right. So I think that's some of the most important work I do with clients is let's just prepare anyway. Yes. Right. And I call that waiting with intention. So you can hold on to that thread of hope. Mm. Maybe he's going to change. 
Maybe our couples therapy will make a difference. Maybe working with a CSAT or whatever it is he's doing, an abuse coach, a, a, a men's accountability group at church, whatever this work is that he's doing, maybe this will make a difference. Hold on to that shred of hope. I'm a fan of marriage. Mm. You know, I'm a fan of the covenant. But just in case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait because with intention. Because right. statistically, most of them do not. We just... They, Right. They we have not. to put that out there. We have to say that. And yes. some can change for a couple of months and put on a really good show for a couple of months, but we are looking for long-term. We are <laughs> looking long-term. for consistent yes. behavior over yes. time, yes. not a temporary grooming period. But right? while you're waiting, so if you're sitting there and you have children and you don't want to give up partial custody, if you don't know financially how you're going to make it, if you mm-hmm. have health issues and you're dependent upon his health insurance, there's just a myriad of reasons that women have to stay. Correct. You are saying wait with intention and you call this create a parallel plan. I really, really like that term. Is that Mm -hmm. something that you coined yourself or was that phrase out there somewhere else? You know, I don't remember. Yeah, we'll just say. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to take credit (laughs) for it. It's a great idea. (laughs) I think I came up with it, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to grab that because I don't care who gets credit for it. It's the concept that matters. So creating these parallel paths of staying in your marriage and waiting with intention, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, get the information you need. Mm Mm-hmm. And so financially, I work with women. Let's look at, okay, if you left, what would, first of all, you know, I I use the word budget because that, but if that sounds like diet to you, think about cash flow. Mm -hmm. What's it going to cost you to live? Mm -hmm. Where are you going to live? What's your mortgage or rent payment going to be? What are your utilities? You're probably going to need health insurance. You're going to unbundle your car insurance and your cell phone plan and you'll need groceries and gas for your car. So let's start thinking about what that's going to cost you to live on your own, right? Start planning for that because what that's going to look like if you've been a stay-at-home parent and that's going to, it's going to look bad, right? Because your income line is zero. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Then we'll gather some financial documents and we'll look at to the extent that you're able to know these things. And I know lots of times we're working with financial controllers, Mm. but we'll gather as much information as we can. Mm -hmm. And then we will prep for attorney consults so that you can fill in at least some of those income numbers, a range of spousal support, a range of child support to see then what does your budget look like? Mm -hmm. Right. So I had a client in San Francisco who said, I want to work with you to figure out how I can stay in this marriage because I will never, ever, ever, ever be able to leave. I said, Mm -hmm. "Okay, all right. Would you humor me? Can we go through this exercise anyway? And we went through all of it. She had a couple extra concerns. So we made sure that we prepped her questions properly with an attorney. And when she came back with this income information of what her support could possibly be, it turned out her gap was $1,000 a month. And she said, see, I told you I could never leave. Oh. Okay, you're right. You can't leave right now. But what that says is if you can set yourself up to earn $250 a week, that's your ticket to freedom. Mm, wow. Right? So if we know what the target is, we can make a plan to hit it. So yeah. you're right. Maybe you can't leave today. 
Right. But can we start making a plan? Right. And that's what waiting with intention is. And when waiting. you break it down to 250 a week, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's so manageable. And one thing that I'm creating for my ladies and Held and Healed is a rebuilding finances course where I just kind of share what I've learned along the way. I'm not a finance coach. I'm not a business coach, but I have had to go from being a stay-at-home homeschool mama, no college degree, no resume, mm-hmm. to supporting myself. And so I've had to learn while while facing chronic illness and having about two or three hours, good hours a day to work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and a lot of women are in that exact same boat, rocking and rocking, right? <laughs> right. So um, what I'm doing in that Rebuilding Finance course is just sharing some of the nuggets, sharing resources like you and different people who can coach them that are, you know, in the lanes that I'm clearly not in. And, right. and just talking about multiple income streams. And this is all something you can do while you're still at home. So I do not regret being a stay-at-home homeschool mom. That was mm-hmm. my passion. That was my desire. That was my top ministry. And I, that I have no regrets for, none. What I do regret is that I did not learn how to become more financially independent. Mm-hmm. I had one um, um, direct sales, MLM type job that was able to keep a roof over my head those first couple years. And then that kind of tanked out last year. But by the time that that tanked out, I had learned about the necessity and the importance of multiple income streams and all these other little streams have started to trickle in. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just want to help women. It's okay to want to be a stay-at-home mama. There's nothing wrong with that. I applaud and, and learn to become more financially independent. Right. It's both and yes, you know, and there, and that's one of the things that we kind of work on to figure out. I had a local client who needed to start to stash some money. Mm. How do you start to stash some money for your own safety? Let, yeah, let's talk okay. about that. How do we let's do talk this about in a that. way that is legal? And for a lot of women, they feel like they're not being honest. So let's let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, first, let's talk about not being honest. Um, I think there is a difference between privacy and secrecy. And I think we need to be really delineate that. I'm not talking about hiding money that once you go into the divorce process, you're not going to declare that you have this money. Sure. That would be illegal. Right. What you're doing is setting aside money that he doesn't have access to for your own safety. Mm. And this is a shift for a lot of these women because they have not put their own needs first. That's right. This is an abuse dynamic where you've put his wants above your needs. Mm. Mm. Wow. Right. And so it's a paradigm shift to say, no, my need for safety to have access to some funds is actually I'm going to elevate that over your desire to have financial control over me. Yes. Now, one way to do it is, is also on the down low. So I had a local client. We were talking about how she could start to do this. She said, I love to clean. And I said, that's awesome. I'm glad you do. <laughs> I'm glad you do. Because <laughs> I don't. Because <laughs> I hate it. And, and we so, would love to pay you to do that for us. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so while her kids were in preschool, mm-hmm. she would come over here once a week and clean. And I paid her cash. Mm-hmm. And here we go. Yeah. After a year, she's got a nice little nest egg. Yeah. Um, pet sitting 
or walking dogs. Oh, yes. Yes. Doing a little bit of, you know, daycare, selling your kids clothes on consignment. Um, If you have a debit card, get 20 bucks back in cash every time you go to grocery. There are little tiny ways. Purchasing gift cards. Is that something that you encourage? Yeah, you can do gift cards. You can, depending on how social you are, um, you can cover dinner for your girlfriend and have her give you cash. Mm. Wow. I like that. You know? Yeah. He might not notice the difference between $25 at Outback and $50 at Outback. That might slip through. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. So this is being um, wise as serpents. Correct. (laughs) When the Bible talks about that, you know, um, just abusers are already very, very savvy. And a lot of them are financially abusive and financially in control. And we are just elevating our game to realize that we do have power and Mm -hmm. we do not have to be under this and we can, we can be just as smart or smarter. Correct. And again, I want to bring it back to safety. Yes. Right. And we have to remember who we are in God's image and what God would want for you. Mm -hmm. And I think if you stay in touch with that, he would want you to be safe. Mm. So these little bits over time can be added up. So you say to just go ahead and keep that somewhere stashed away. Um, and then when and if it comes to the point of needing to disclose, you've got to disclose that. You've got to be honest. Yeah, you should be honest because depending on what kind of divorce situation you're going to be in, especially if you're going to be in, in a custody battle. So let's just move way. Let's just fa- hit the fast forward. Okay. <laughs> now you're in a high conflict divorce and you are fighting for um, maybe a non shared parenting, a non 50, 50 um, parenting time plan. And you're trying to um, present some evidence. You've been documenting. You're trying to document these abusive episodes. You're trying to document some things and you're trying to present evidence to sway a judge or an arbiter or somebody to your side. You have to show up as clean as uh, none, as Mother Teresa. There can be no stain on you. You have to be 100% credible and it only takes something like, well, she has a bank account with $1,200 in it that she didn't disclose, that Mm -hmm. the other side has discovered, Mm -hmm. to cast a shadow on you. Right. And it's not worth it for $1,200. Absolutely not. And it's just not worth it for peace of mind either. Because most of the women that we work with are very, very uh, moral. And Mm -hmm. and, and that would just just eat you alive. Um, Right. So it's private. It's not secret. Yeah. I like that. I like that. There's a a big, there's a big, big difference there. What you're doing is setting yourself up so that let's talk about spousal starvation. Yes. Okay. You're a stay-at-home mom. You don't have access to your own money. Mm. On the day you take dinner out of the oven Mm -hmm. and you finally say, that's the biggest boundary you can set, right? The biggest boundary you can set is to say, I no longer am going to be married to you. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Mm -hmm. A typical response to that is, 
fine, I'm going to move my paycheck to an account you no longer have access to. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have money for grocery and gas for the kids. Yeah, wow. Okay, so what people think is, well, that's okay. I'll just call my attorney and get temporary child and spousal support. And that's exactly the right thing to do, but guess how long that takes. Yeah, yeah it can take a while. Yeah, It can take months and months. It can take three months to get a temporary order's hearing date. Then sometimes they get pushed back. And even though you get that order, it still takes time for that money to hit your bank account. And it doesn't mean he's going to comply. <laughs> and it doesn't <laughs> it mean does he's going mean to comply. He's to do what he's told to do because he can, he can putz around for a while without, you know, any consequence. So, yes, this could take a while. It could take a while. Yeah. So that is part of this parallel planning Yeah. is get yourself set up. Now, for some people, they have friends and family of means that will swoop in and hold them. Sure. But some people don't. Yeah. Many do not. Yeah. Many Many do not. Uh, Here's a question for you. If you are parallel planning and you don't necessarily want to raise suspicion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, you know, for some, for safety reasons, they can't. um, Right. Is there a way to ease into getting, if you are employed somewhere and you are receiving a paycheck, is there some way to ease into that in a way that doesn't totally make your abuser suspicious? Like if you have had a joint account, but you're like, you know, I'd really like for my money to go to my account and you want to start splitting expenses. Is there any way to ease into that that doesn't just totally set off alarm bells? Well, I think that the easiest might be you know, you could start to just peel off $50 a month Mm -hmm. into a separate savings account. Mm -hmm. Just start doing that just a little bit at a time. Just a little bit at a time. Because we do not want you to put yourself in in a dangerous situation with an abuser and make your life even more of a living hell for those couple of years that you may have to still be there. Correct. And but if, I, I, I also want to differentiate between an abuser who is dangerous, an abuser who, and an abuser who is, um, what is the word I want to use? I'll just use the word difficult mm-hmm. um, and tries to have power over. Because this is also a new skill set that we're going to need to gain as we move toward divorce, which is a lot of assertive communication and boundary work, Yeah, which is, I've decided to move my paycheck mm-hmm. and we can talk about how much of that I'm going to contribute to the family. Right. And he's going to blow up and lose his mind. Mm-hmm. And you say to him, I hear you. I hear that that's not what you want. And yet it's what I've decided I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's important. And you, I always say, you know, your husband best, right? So you know what decision is right for you. Mm-hmm. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's going to be upset, he's going to be mad no matter what you do. Mm. So anything you do is going to be mad. He's going to be mad. So, you know, I kind of explore with clients, okay, he's going to be angry, but how angry and, and what are the consequences going to be? Because it still may be worth it to take that step and start to assert yourself. Mm-hmm. And what about, 
you know, young women who are thinking about getting married, um, I think I, I come out so different here than I would have um, 30 years ago. I would probably tell young women now just to keep expenses separate, <laughs> just out of the gate, like, mm -hmm. and, and just make a decision together who's paying what bills. And I know there are people that would just totally scream at me for saying that, but I know now what I know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would not even be opposed to prenups at this point because, Correct. you know, like we've been through some stuff, haven't we, you know? Right. And so our perspective is extremely different. If someone truly loves you, that's not going to bother them. Correct. If someone trusts you and you trust them, that's not going to bother them. It's just not. And I've even said that if, and I'm not, this is not on my radar in the least bit, but if I were to ever remarry at this point, there would 100% be a prenup. 1,000%. Yeah, 1,000%. Because what little I do have goes to my kiddos. And if someone loves me, they're going to respect that and vice versa. Right. I would want the same for him with his kids, right? So Absolutely. Um, that would be a really good test of whether this person was legit or not, you know, and loved you for the right reasons. So mm -hmm. I think I think for young people, like starting out, I encourage you to go ahead and talk about, you know, I think we're going to keep things separate. I'll be responsible for X bill and you'll be responsible for X bill. We're right. Still or we'll do it on an income shares basis. Yes. If he yes. makes a hundred yes. and you make 50. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Then gonna... you share the mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. Two thirds, one yeah. third. Yes. And right? we're going we're gonna to be a team and there's not going to be, you know, we both have access to see each other's accounts. That's fine because we, we do want there to be like um, honesty Trans and transparency. transparency. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But just knowing what I know now and, mm -hmm. and just helping women to understand that if something were to happen to him and it wasn't even an abuse situation, you are, you're just setting yourself up to understand how finances work. And you're not completely at his mercy. So for, for so many reasons that there's, sure. wisdom. there's wisdom and I know wisdom. Well, not just sharing the bills, but a monthly or quarterly budget meeting. Yes. Annually show each other your credit reports so that there's not surprise debt you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. All those things. All those things. All right. We have here on, we're just kind of jumping around, but that's fine because that's good. I still have notes to keep us back. So talk a little bit about um, that. Again, expand a little bit on that financial disclosure discovery. And then you, you dropped the word or the term forensic accountant. And that wasn't something I was familiar with. So if you'll just talk for a few minutes about, you know, if, and when the time comes and you mm -hmm. have to move forward, what, what does that look like? Okay. So um, I won't take time today to talk about all the different divorce processes you can use, right? There's a number of things you can choose, but with an abuser, you're likely going to be in an attorney situation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're going to file because you're going to need the protection of the court for some temporary orders. And many of our people have been under financial control. So you don't have, you don't, you can't see into the finances and they'll say, mm -hmm. I don't know what our mortgage is. Right. I, I don't know what's in his 401k. I don't know any of these things. And I say, that's great. The silver lining of this process is every single state in the union and every country of at least the clients I've worked with has some sort of mandatory financial disclosure process where you have to fill out forms that are notarized as if you're under oath, where you declare your assets, your debts, your income and your expenses. And you trade those with each other. 
And again, honesty. <laughs> honesty and trans- now, do yeah. they lie? Yeah, they still uh-huh. lie. Yeah, and, they do. and that's where we'll we'll talk about something. But you're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. <laughs> so not gonna first, do you do the financial disclosure process, right? And so you see, let's say, let me use an example. You see, he says his four hundred one k account has fifty thousand mm. dollars, and you go, hmm. You've been working at that company for twenty years. Mm. And I can see on your paycheck that you're contributing $12,000 a year to that account. That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Ding, 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 ding. Right. Something's not making sense to me. So then there's a second step called discovery. And discovery is where you can ask for more. Okay. All right. And discovery is comprised of two parts, interrogatories which are written questions that the parties have to reply to as if under oath. So is your name Bob? Yes, it is. And request for production of documents. So I would like to see your 401k statements for the past five years Mm -hmm. so that we can see if there's any shenanigans going on. Correct. Yes. Right. Then we have something called a forensic accountant. Forensic accountants are experts at finding hidden money. Hmm. Often this comes into play in two arenas, very high net worth people, or when we have reason to believe that just it's something isn't smelling right. Mm -hmm. There we see big chunks of money that have been withdrawn or missing. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we see large regular withdrawals. Is he renting an apartment for his affair partner? Mm. Is he paying a mortgage for a property he bought that he hasn't disclosed? Wow. What is going on here? Yeah. The other time that can come into play is if somebody owns their own business, especially if it can be a cash based business, mm. construction, plumber, um, some of those things. They can be hiding money in their business because your tax return says you make $40,000 a year, Hmm. but you live in a $500,000 house and you went to Aruba twice last year. Something about that isn't right. Yeah. So he's going to try to claim he makes $40,000 and pay support based on that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've known situations where, Oh my goodness. The stories we could tell, right? Mm-hmm. I've known situations where they then decided to stop working because then they, you know, thought they were going to have to pay less. Right. Um, alimony. Um, what about, this is not on our list, but I think it's a really important detail. What about debt, credit card debt, especially? So encourage women, I would say to get off of accounts that are joint because my assumption is that she's responsible for 50% of that debt. Is that correct? If she's on the account, the credit card? She's responsible for 50% of the debt as long as they're married, regardless of whose name is on it. Now, I'm not an attorney, so I can't tell you this. But for instance, if his name is only on the mortgage, it is still a marital debt. Oh, dear me. So just having her name off of the credit card is not enough. It is not enough. But at the time of separation or the date of filing, this is something to discuss with your attorney. 
that might make sense to do it then. Because then if he goes out and buys a Harley. Right. Or goes out and runs up a bunch of debt. Wow. Well, you might be able to make the claim then that any post-separation debt is not your responsibility. My heavens, I had no idea that if her name was not on that account. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't matter whose name is on things, right? Mm. Just because a car is titled in your name, it is not your asset. Mm. So it shoots you in the foot both ways. Correct. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's good and it's bad because think about it this way. He's got half a million dollars in his 401k account. That's in his name because that's his work. 401k. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's marital. Okay. But let's talk about how much of that is marital really quickly. And these laws vary from state to state. So again, you're going to want to talk through this with your attorney, right? If he was, if he was started working at that company in 2000 and you got married in 2010 and you're getting divorced in 2022, right? We'll look at the balance of that account in 2022 but that is not all marital in -hmm. most cases, Mm -hmm. whatever he accumulated from 2000 to 2010 is considered separate property. That was his before you got married. Okay. Okay. Now the variation in States usually comes in here in some States. They just take the balance in 2010 and they say, Bob, that's yours. In some states, they take the balance in 2010 plus the growth on that balance, and that belongs to Bob, and then the rest of it is marital. Mm-hmm. So, in and then in the, in a in a couple states, it's all community. It doesn't matter if you brought it to the marriage; it's all there. Okay. Um, the same goes for inheritances, any personal injury awards you've gotten, and any gifts you've gotten that were specific for you. But there are documentation requirements and there are rules around whether or not you co-mingled it. Okay. Because I was told by one person that inheritance was just that particular person and it was not shared. But you're saying in some states it is shared. It could be. It's really important to talk with your attorney. And And again, it depends yeah, it so depends if you've co-mingled any of those assets yeah, or okay. let's say you got an inheritance from Uncle Harry and you put it in a fidelity account, but then you took your marital tax refund and added it to that account. Um, you might have muddied the water. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's when I don't know, I just say you have to, you have to get an attorney and you have to see what your state laws are because it is so different from place to place. And especially when it comes to the difference between marital and separate property, it can be so nuanced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So that, that's the other thing I just want to put out there. If we're talking to younger people is if you get an inheritance, if you get a gift, if you get a legal award, if you get a something else, put it in account in your name, don't use it to do a home improvement. Mm-hmm. Don't use it for anything else. Mm. If you want to buy your car with it and title it in your name, make sure everything you do is squeaky clean, mm. that this is something I bought for me and I haven't commingled it with anything else. Wow. Yeah. Wisdom. Okay. Wisdom. Wisdom. And then we talked about the different alternatives to moving forward. So in some situations, mediation is an option. And then you suggested, and I, I love the wisdom in this. You suggest the um, idea of 
interviewing three different lawyers doing mm-hmm. something that's super high end, something in the middle and something that's lower end. And, and remembering you get what you pay for. Um, not so always, not, not well, always, just, not always. Cause some of these hot shots are just, yeah, ridiculous charging, mm-hmm. but, um, talk a little bit about those different alternatives. So is what you do, is that considered more in the mediation or is that like a totally different, um, category? So I can support clients no matter which process they choose. Okay. okay. Divorce coaching is considered by the American Bar Association, a method of alternative dispute resolution, okay. because our goal is not to pour fuel on the fire. Mm-hmm. Right. I never want to escalate conflict. That is never my goal. I don't mm-hmm. want to stir it up. I don't want to poke the hornet's nest. Sure. I am a fan of mediation. Even when there's a power imbalance, if you are prepared properly and you have gotten your discovery, you've gotten your financial disclosures, you've gotten your discovery, and you are working with a good pre-mediation divorce coach, you can be very empowered to go in there with a good mediator. And choosing the right mediator is important. Mm -hmm. And choosing the right mediation process is important. But I have had many clients that have been in abusive relationships, have good success in mediation. And Bill Eddy in the book Splitting, one of the things he recommends, he has an acronym, Keep Calm, that talks about documenting, learning about abusive behaviors, documenting patterns of behavior, but calm is consider alternatives to litigation. Because you put a high conflict person in a litigious situation where there's a winner and a loser, and guess what they're going to do? Absolutely. Anything they can to win. Okay. And they don't like being told what to do in mediation. People come up with their own agreements and what we know from all the statistics is that people are much more likely to agree to comply with agreements they've made themselves. Hmm. Yeah. And, and just, you know, there is a little bit of a, a mind game that's happening there. But, you know, when an abuser thinks it was their idea, <laughs> um, they're going to be more likely to to go with it. And um, uh, yeah. And there's language we can use. Yes, yes. There's, you know, I talk about that all the time. The power of yes. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a technique we use. You know, you come in and you suggest um, this parenting plan of every other weekend and dinner on Wednesday nights to him. And he comes back and says, no way. I want 50-50 every other week. So there are a couple ways you can respond to that. You can go in with your defensiveness. You've never even changed a diaper. You don't do anything. You've never <laughs> driven a kid to soccer. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah. how's, he gonna re- how's he gonna respond to that? Yeah. Dig into his position further. You will get nowhere. Yeah. Or you can say, and I always say, bring Tic Tacs, bring chewing gum. I'm going to ask you to say things that make you throw up in your mouth. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's part of your care package when you get a new client, some Tic Tacs, yeah. some chewing gum, some Tums, <laughs> all the things. But, but you could also say, I, that makes me really happy to hear that you want to spend more time with the kids. That's oh, my terrific. Lord. I would definitely be puking in my mouth. <laughs> Can we talk about what that would look like with your work and travel schedule? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then as you talk through that, there's no way he can do it. Mm. Okay. So again, it's his idea. 
Mm, wow. So much wisdom. I feel like I could just sit in your sessions and just like <laughs> learn from greatness here. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, oh. it's, you know, it's my pleasure to help people through it because again, I made it so much harder and more expensive than it needed to be. It is a hard process. Divorce is the second most stressful life event you can go through, according to the Holmes Ray Stress Scale. Mm. Um, but we don't have to make it harder. You are showing up for women and being to women what you needed someone to be for you. Yes, ma'am. That is the beauty. That is the absolute <laughs> redemption of what we do. So when we were chatting earlier, we came up with three top tips. So I'm just going to read these and then you can expand a little bit. Okay. So your, your three top tips at that time, and maybe you have different ones now, is to get educated about the process and be very strategic. So um, don't just do things um, out of emotion, out of um, panic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, what would you add to that? Well, yeah, I think everybody's first impulse is to run out and get a lawyer, right? Until you're educated about the process, you probably will not pick the right lawyer, which is why so many people end up switching or being unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. You are in charge of managing your own legal process. And so thinking, getting educated, thinking things through, prepping for those lawyer consults, attorney consults is really important because you've got to pick the right attorney. Mm -hmm. So I say, hire a coach first, Okay. then go get an attorney. And it will save you money in the long run. If it you absolutely <laughs> will. Yeah. 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 And it's, this is not cheap. Divorce is not cheap for anybody. And it's an unfortunate thing. Hopefully women have somewhere that they can, they can go and they can get, you know, a family member to help them out. Um, we don't want you to go in debt unnecessarily. And yet this is your future you're thinking of. And so you may have to go ahead and put this on a credit card and then find creative ways to pay that off later. Right. Well, um, let me just give you an example of how much escalating conflict costs. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> the average cost of mediation, and this is, this is even what I would call a complicated mediation, is $6,600. The average cost of a collaborative divorce process is about eighteen or $19,000. The average cost of a full litigated trial with custody is over $88,000. And no mama that I know has that kind of money. Right. So this is the cost of conflict escalation. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The second tip that you gave me is no, uh, and I just sent this to somebody this morning to, needed to hear this. Know that an abuser is an abuser. Past behavior is a predictor <laughs> of future behavior. Establish boundaries. Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. That's just proof. <laughs> well, and we just, I would add to this that anybody can play a game for a while and pretend. So, why did you need to get divorced in the first place? Don't forget. <laughs> so Don't two forget. or three months of good behavior, him going to counseling does not, does not negate 20 years of hell. So just remember what brought you to this place in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And when, and when we say establish boundaries, I do a lot of boundaries coaching in my group. Yes. And we, I say over and over, your safety is paramount. So do not, do not, do not, do not. If you're still in the house with a physically abusive, aggressive abuser, do not 
you have got to be so careful with your boundaries and your jade mm-hmm. and your gray rock and your biff. You've got to be super, super careful about that. Yep. And so I tell women to practice their boundaries on safe people mm-hmm. and find someone that you know that loves you and say, hey, can you be the first person in my life that says that I say no to? <laughs> Right. I have to practice with someone safe so that when the time is established and I have physical separation from this unsafe person, then I can be a pro at boundary setting. Absolutely. We start our boundaries with safer people and we learn on them so that Mm -hmm. when we do have physical separation from the really scary ones, we can keep growing. And then your third tip was to establish safe support systems and reframe Mm -hmm. the abuser's lies. And one thing that I added is usually the opposite of what an abuser is saying is what's actual truth. So do you want to add anything to that? So the way I usually phrase that is just because he says it doesn't mean it's true. True. So once you start the divorce process, you might hear a lot of what I call declarations of income. Mm. I'm going to take the kids. Mm. You'll never get a penny. You're going to live on the street. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you down. Mm -hmm. You'll hear these declarations of outcome and it scares people. You and can't want, do this. You can't do this without me. Right. Yeah. I want you to, I want you to say this to yourself just because he says it Does. doesn't mean it's true. That's right. That's right. And there's going to be a lot of character assassination. There's going to be a lot of gaslighting, crazy making. And in those moments, just speak to yourself. The opposite, mm-hmm. what he's saying is usually what's actual truth. So, right. Right. And if but, you're a person of faith, what I want you to do is go to God. Yes. And say, God, is this what's true about me? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Some good, just incredible light bulb moments started happening when I became very intentional about, about flipping the script. Yeah. And you start to gain a confidence that in yourself and your ability to function and your ability to think and your ability to make decisions like this light, the switch just like is flipped and you're no longer that piece of crap, worthless, incapable, stupid, like the things that they have made you mm-hmm. feel that you are for so very long. And I right. just, see, I see women doing the most badass things that they yes. never, ever thought that they could do. And sure. I just, at, at moments in my week, sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, this woman is hiring a lawyer. Oh my gosh, this woman got counseling. Oh my gosh, this woman just got hired at a new job that is going to be, you know, adequate financial provision. And just seeing these women do the hard right. things that they never, ever thought right. they would do. Right. Listen to other people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the beginning of my story, what did I say? I said, I listened to my therapist. Mm-hmm. I listened mm-hmm. to my financial advisor. Mm-hmm. I listened to my attorney. I listened to my friends. I listened to what other people said about me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I chose to focus on that. Yes. And start speaking to yourself the way that mm-hmm. you would speak to your best friend. Someone that you love, someone that is safe, someone that you care about. You would not speak those condemnations over her. So don't speak to yourself that way. So self-compassion is such, um, it, it's something we have to learn most right. of us, but it's such a gift and it really does begin to strengthen us from the inside out. So well, thank you so much for your time. Please tell us where we can find you in the WWW. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on my website and everything's pretty easy because it's my name, Deborah, D-E-B-R-A, doke, D-O-A-K.com. And I'm on Instagram at Deborah Doak Coach. And I'm on Facebook at Deborah Doak Coach. Love it. And it's so funny because those of us who have lived with narcissists, when we <laughs> when we branded ourselves with our names, I was like, oh, that feels so narcissistic. But you know what? It just helps people find you. 
Absolutely. It just helps people find you. Like if you had some other name, they wouldn't necessarily know that was you. So that right. is right. If I, I were like, you know, <laughs> cloud tree coaching, exactly. people would be like, who's Nobody that? Who that is. Exactly. Right. So that's why I branded myself with my name. And that's why Me a lot too. of people, they're like, we're not trying to be narcissists. It's just an easy way for people to find us. So right. just my little two cents there added. You in. know what? The fact that I believe in myself <laughs> does not make me a narcissist. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, thank yeah. you. This has been a wonderful chat. Awesome. And a bless many, and I thank you so much for your time today. I loved it. Blessings. And thank you to our listeners for your time and your ear. Please share this with anyone that you know who may benefit from it. As always, you can find me at heatherelizabeth.org. No, I'm not a narcissist. And you can find me on Facebook at Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. Thank you so much. Thanks.